Um, Clemson to win the national championship for football is like, I think it's like 20 to 1 or 15 to 1 or something like that. Um, it's actually not that good of odds. 75 to 1 to win the national championship or 71. And we have a couple Texas we misunderstood too. Like Ed says, I'll take 71 for the Sweet 16. Mel Carrick, he said, did he say Sweet 16, 75 to 1? Here's what Brian said, and I know he was trying to rush to get it in, and so I kind of had to do some, I had to do some, um, I had to do some uh, like figuring and looking at numbers during the break. But basically, he's got a 70, 70, uh, he said you can get a 70 to 75 to 1 to Cle- on Clemson to win the national championship. He has that right now. When they get to the Sweet 16, you can start hedging a little bit, and basically you, you would bet against Clemson so that if they lose, you've already got 75 to 1. So if they win, you, you're not going to get any more than that. But if they lose at some point, then you start to get a little money back. Is what he's, that's what he's saying. You, you keep the long shot check, and uh, as long as they're in, they're in. But you can get a little bit of that piece back with wagering against them when he gets a Sweet 16. It is a... It is a betting maneuver that is that is uh, that is not uncommon or uncharacteristic. That is what Brian was talking about. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm 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 not a I'm not a, I'm not a gambler. So that level of strategery is a little above my comfort level. There there is there is quite a bit of strategery involved. I would say. Um, here is a fun one. I was looking at DraftKings over the break. Do you know Clemson is 25-1 to 1 to make the Final Four? I am looking at that right now. Yes. How about that? Do you know there are a number of other teams that are 25-1 to 1 to make the Final Four? And one of those other teams that's 25-1 to 1 at DraftKings is South Carolina. And Well, and, and so I'm it's... Just, it's uh, Texas is in there too, which kind of kind of cheapens it. They're not making the tournament. I know. Like all, Texas A like, and M is in there at twenty five to one. Mississippi State's at, at twenty two to one. They're not making the tournament. <laughs> I mean, like uh, some of some of this is some of this is just who who was willing to pay what. Like Gonzaga better win tonight, or they're not making the tournament. They're eighteen to one to go to the Final Four. Crazy, crazy stuff. My question is simply this. You can opt out of this. I'll give you a Fifth Amendment opt-out on this. Who's more likely to make the Final Four at 25-1, to 1, Clemson or South Carolina? Ooh. That, like, if you could only bet on one to make the Final Four. And I actually think there are good arguments for both of these teams. Okay, I do too. And let me explain my hesitation. Because when you asked me that question, my mind immediately said, what's the matchup? Because I do think there uh-huh. are teams that South Carolina and Clemson, respectively, are bad matchups for, or good matchups, depending on how you look at it. You know what I mean? So, yes. You know, I, I would, I'd have to know the opponents, but, but I, before I could answer that, but do you see a path for both of them? Yes, and let me, let me, let me also say. South Carolina's wins resume would indicate that they that they are capable of beating a bunch of different teams. I'm cool with that. I would suggest to you that Clemson is a better value based on the predictive metrics that have Clemson as, like, for example, on Ken Palm, Clemson's ranked 24th and South Carolina is 46th. That would put Clemson at a different caliber. So regardless of the matchup, you would think that Clemson has a better chance. Do I think that South Carolina has no chance? Absolutely not. But there are certain kinds of teams that that can hurt South Carolina. I think size inside and athleticism inside is a problem because South Carolina's front line is, uh, is a little bit undersized. Um, I think that's an issue. Uh, South Carolina hasn't shot it as well sometimes. So in response to a team, like for instance, they are al- almost last in the country in block rate offensively, meaning they get 13% of their shots blocked. South Carolina does. 13% of their field goal attempts are blocked. Um, that's a that's an outrageously high number uh, if you get into a situation with a team that has bigs that are a problem, that has some some uh, some rim protectors in there. Now, 
Guess who has rim protectors? Kentucky. South Carolina beat them by 17. So I'm not saying they can't beat a team like that, but to your point, these those are the kinds of matchups that would be uh, that would be problematic for South Carolina. Um, Clemson just feels like a safer bet if you're giving me the same odds. Now, if you gave me Clemson at 20 to one and South Carolina at 30 to one, for example, I might say I would rather take South Carolina because they've got a little bit longer odds, but they've proven they can win a bunch of different ways, and you're kind of you're already getting a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a a discount there because of the predictive metrics that I think are a little bit misreading South Carolina. I think they're better than a team in the mid 40s. There's a there's a lot to go into it. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, and the texture does point out there's always a risk when you don't know exactly who you're playing. So just a thought, just throwing that out there. I was shocked that Clemson and South Carolina had the same odds, by the way. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was um, I was just surprised. I was surprised to see that. Uh, let's turn our attention now, uh, if we can, to Dabo Sweeney and the press conference yesterday. Uh, Dabo sat down for about 45 minutes with the media. You heard it here on the Roar. I know everybody's gotten a chance to talk about it. We we have not gotten to dive into it yet. Um, he gave like a 10-minute opening statement. It was a long opening statement where he basically did, and Ben, I don't know how you would describe this. I would describe it as like a postmortem of the 2023 season after having two months to only look at that. Um and, and to go through, I mean, he, he talked about there are things that they taught well, there are things that they obviously didn't teach very well, they need to figure out how to teach them better, and things that they did better than maybe they thought, and things they did worse than they thought. I thought that part was interesting. He still sort of repeated that line that everything that went wrong with them last year was about the football. And he repeated everything. And I think most people would say there were two things wrong last year the football in terms of turnovers and the disaster plays, which you talked about with Klubnik, and lack of explosiveness. What, where would you fall on that? I do think that it's a – I know a lot of fans are frustrated, and I get the frustration that Dabo keeps talking about the need to be explosive, but he is sort of knocking that way, way down the list and putting turnovers way above it or at least giving turnovers a bigger slice of that pie chart. Where do you fall on that? I, well, first, I understand the frustration by some. Uh, I, I was a bit surprised at how much he rehashed last year. And, and, and I understand how that, to some, might have sounded like an excuse for some of last year. You know, to boil it all down to something that sounded so simple. Um. I had to remind myself who it was that was talking and what his history is. I had to remind myself that, to my recollection, Coach Sweeney has never taken the podium, especially in an introductory type of press conference like this, and really gotten into the negative weeds about his team. Am I, am I correct in that? That that's correct. That's a very okay. good point. Um, so I, I did. I had to remind myself that this is sort of his mo. Um, I understand the need from some to feel like you need to hear him actually say it, and 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 I'm I'm with you a little bit on that. You know, I need to. You know that you need to hear some specific negatives. Um. For me, and maybe this is wishful thinking, I believe he knows what those are. I, I think he's been around the game way too long, seen too many good teams, too many bad teams. The man knows what good football looks like. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was just following his MO in the way he handles those press conferences, and it just wasn't the time or place, even though some of us wanted to hear it, just wasn't the time or place to to really push down on some of the negative, some of the deficiencies from last year. Am I am I off base there? Or what are your thoughts? Well, I I had a similar thought. I, I would say I processed it a little differently, but I came out in the same place. Dabo Sweeney thinks 
that the easiest thing for them to teach first is ball security. And I think that is, you know, explosiveness to some degree is about your personnel uh, and who you have available. And so maybe you're thinking that's, that's just about recruiting and developing players. But ball security is about focus, and it's about the mental side. And to me, I'm not saying it's easy to teach, but I think it's easier to develop a team that has ball security, regardless of your personnel, than it is to teach explosiveness or to coach explosiveness. And is that does that make sense? Like, I, I don't want to act like he's like he's like trying to prioritize the easiest stuff. But I do think to some degree you got who you got in terms of explosiveness with your quarterback and with your receivers and with your scheme and everything else. But you should be able to hang on to the ball regardless of all that. Right. No, th- that's fair. I mean, all of that, all of those other things don't really matter if you can't do that first and foremost. So that's maybe that's why you start there. Yeah, I, I would agree. You and know, the texture – go ahead. Let me just say this. It, you play – you know, you open with Georgia. The thing, let's say you you fumble the ball, you're not able to push the ball down the field. Um, K does a bad job making decisions, doesn't run the ball effectively. You know, offensively things go just as bad as they possibly could for you. That's a point where I think you you maybe hear a different version of Dabo Sweeney at that point. It would be more appropriate at that point, and and you know, and I and I do expect him not to maybe protect some of the deficiencies of the offense in the media as much as he did this past year. In that situation, in that press conference, I would expect him to really push down on some of those things. Maybe not. I wouldn't have those same expectations with yesterday. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think I think particularly given that he walked in the press conference and said it was an animated team meeting and it seemed like uh, people were in good spirits, you don't want to deliver a doom and gloom type of deal. I you know, his his perspective, I thought he was very frank, but he was he was incredibly optimistic. Um, as you would expect, that they've they've got guys back and they they've they've got guys healthier. Um, he went through the list of unhealthy guys um, that are that are not going to be there. They're, that are going to be um, that are going to be limited in the spring. Yeah, I, I just think that was the tone he was trying to. He was kind of trying to strike there. Um, with, you know, and I also with, know I also know for a fact that what he says to the media is is not at all the same tone that he had with his team last year. Uh, that's I mean, right. Not even not even remotely close. In fact, it would it would shock people, <laughs> the tone that he had with his team at times last year. Well, and you know, talking about the explosiveness, it, it I I kind of think, and I you know, if if you feel this way, I'm not trying to be ugly, but like, you you would have to be kind of obtuse to think that Dabo Swinney doesn't prefer to have a more explosive offense, or like isn't concerned at all, because here's what we know: we know that he brought in Garrett Riley to be more explosive, and they weren't more explosive. But he identified that as an area of weakness in the offense. And he hired somebody whose expertise is in creating explosive plays. So you know that he, he feels that's important. Um, so I don't think that by not necessarily mentioning that quite as high or blaming that as much for what happened last year, that he's not putting a level of importance on it. Right. I, I, I do think that it's hard to do that in spring practice um, because you don't have some guys available and you're trying to get more guys some work than you would in the fall. There's just different priorities than solely we got to get more explosive offensively. As I said, I understand from his point of view why you would not do that yesterday. I also understand the fan who would feel better if he did. Yes, and I think both are both are are logical, reasonable perspectives to have. Um, when when we come back, his comments on Kate Klubnik were interesting. I think some of the stuff we expected to hear. There was one thing in particular that he said a couple of times that caught my attention. I tweeted about it earlier, and I want to discuss, uh, particularly as it relates to growth that he can make right now in the spring. Six five four roar is the number. Hour three continues right after this.
Here with Morgan Coleman, real estate professional extraordinaire in the upstate. Morgan, perhaps the most important question you can answer for a client, how will you best represent your clients as a real estate professional? Being a former Clemson athlete has given me the tools that I have easily transferred into my professional career. I have a team first mentality and create a team with my clients along with the other individuals involved with the transaction, such as the lender or any other vendors. Not to mention, I'm able to tap into my competitive side. Yes, I am your real estate professional giving you guidance throughout the buying and selling process, but I always want my clients to feel welcome to voice their questions, thoughts, and opinions. My job is not done once we get under contract. There are many other steps necessary to successfully reach the closing table on time. I'll be your best advocate and would love the opportunity to assist you with your buying or selling needs. Thanks, Morgan. If you want to team up with Morgan Coleman of Joan Herlong & Associates Sotheby's International Realty, give her a call at 864-313-7639. It's Race for the Green Time. Go ahead and make your plans to sign up today. Run signup.com. It's coming your way March 16th, 2024. Make a commitment to do your first 5K or half marathon and take advantage of those early bird pricing. Run signup.com. Great swag, the beautiful medal that everybody talks about. This is our 14th annual half marathon and 5K. Sign up today. Don't forget March 16th, 2024. Run signup.com and come on and have a great time. We're talking with Eric Snyder of Snyder Tree Care. Warm weather storms are a real thing here in the upstate. How can we manage our trees to minimize damage to property? It's really important that your trees are pruned properly and you know what you have in your yard. And at Snyder Tree, we have arborists that can identify issues. Statistically, 90% uh, of the trees that fall on houses, we could have avoided that had we looked at it ahead of time and, uh, and offered a solution. Leave it to Snyder Tree Care. Looking for a job with a company that's focused on family? Glen Raven's Anderson Plant, maker of high-quality Sunbrella products, is hiring now. As a family-run company offering competitive hourly rates to help you support your family, you'll enjoy premium benefits, including a pension program and much more. You'll qualify for a $1,500 sign-on bonus, and once you're hired, if you refer someone who gets hired, you'll get a $2,000 referral bonus, too. If you're experienced or willing to be trained, apply today at join.sumbrella.com. Do you have sagging, softer, bouncy floors in your home? Well, this could be a sign of rotten wood caused by moisture in your crawl space. Damaged wood in your crawl space can affect your home's foundation, and that can affect your home's value, and nobody wants that. Say goodbye to sagging floors and hello to a stable foundation. Contact Canty today for your free inspection at 864-641-0176 or visit CantyCanFixIt.com. Tax Talk with Straight Talk. You give and you give. This tax season you get with Straight Talk Wireless. You get a reliable 5G network and unlimited data and a new Samsung Galaxy A15 for just $99. So you can give your janky phone to your kid. Yeah! Good talk. Switch to Straight Talk for plans starting as low as $25 a line per month for four lines. Find us at Walmart and StraightTalk.com. For network management practices, visit StraightTalk.com. Device offer ends 41424. In-store activation on single silver unlimited plan or higher required. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Taxes and fees apply. Clemson's new music venue, The Basement, presents Nashville recording artist Trey Lewis live on Friday, March 8th. Doors open at 7 p.m. and show starts at 9. Don't miss Trey Lewis at The Basement. 21 and over, located behind It's Your Wiener Restaurant and Bar. Get your tickets now at thebasementclemson.com. Nashville recording artist Trey Lewis at The Basement in Clemson, Friday, March 8th. Don't miss it. Live and local sports talk coming to you from the Upcountry Fiber Studios. This is 105.5 and 97.5 The Roar. Serving the five counties of the South Carolina Upstate. Upcountry Fiber is a stronger connection. Six sports minds playing with powerful toys. He's got some tools. 105.5 and 97.5 FM. We are the Roar, where every day is game day. Our three continues out of bounds. 
William Blagamush and Ben Milstead with you. Uh, we're talking Dabo Sweeney's press conference. Get in on the Adams Curving text line, 654-ROAR is the number you want to join us. Or you can get in on the phones as well, 654-7627. Um, a couple things when he talked about Kate Klubnik in the passing game. Uh, I loved his phrase, Ben. He talked about explosive chemistry in the passing game, which I, I don't think that was accidental when he brought that up. Um I think when you when you say something like that, you are attributing some of the issues to the fact that your quarterback and your receivers are not necessarily on the same page or they have not had the opportunity to build a rapport with one another, sort of a, a left-hand, right-hand situation where each one knows what the other one is doing. Um, I, I, I wrote that down in particular because of how many receivers weren't there last year and how many guys they couldn't develop a rapport with during the spring. If you look at the receivers that are not available uh, right now, Tyler Brown is out till the late spring, and Noble Johnson's out. Uh, Ronan Hannafin's working his way back. Um, you know, just being honest, I don't, I'm not sure that Johnson and Hannafin are going to be uh, a major part of – um, a major part of, of what they're doing. Um, but I think Brown is the only one that's like going to be in a rotation that we feel good about that's going to miss a bunch of time this spring. It feels like a better opportunity to build explosive chemistry this spring, and you don't have to do sort of a cramming session in the fall. Do you agree with that, Ben? Well, it can't hurt. And – you know, I, I'll listen to some of that last year as to why that chemistry never happened. I mean, obviously, if you can't practice together, you can't build chemistry. But that's not that's not the only – like, that excuse can't be good for everything bad that happened with the passing game either. Is that fair? Uh, I mean, yes. whether you had the chemistry or not, you still have to have the Jimmys and Joes. And I, I just don't think that you had those. Um you should be better this year because I think your personnel is is certainly better. But is it good enough? I don't. I you know I don't know. I I really don't. My my gut says that you're still missing pieces there. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I think it's still going to be a a little bit of time before you get everybody in. I mean, I you've you've got. You've got a man crush on T.J. Moore. T.J. Moore's not going to be here until the, the summer. Like, if, you, if you're if you factoring in T.J. Moore into the plans, we're not going to see that until the summer. We, we won't see that until preseason camp. Um, if you think Bryant Wesco is going to bust out, then maybe we can start to see a little bit more of that here in the fall, and we can we'd see some of that building. But I do agree, like, some of the excitement for this is going to require more to be in the uh, – to, to sort of be in the mix. The other thing, he talked about Klubnik's decision-making. He said four of the interceptions were on him. And he said, you know, sign me up for four interceptions. I think we all would take four interceptions from, from the quarterback. I don't think there's any question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but, he but, also, in, but interceptions, even if they're all on him, interceptions weren't, wasn't really the concern last year for Kate Klubnik. That's right. He said I mean, we it, had about a million fumbles. Right. I mean, it's nice to talk about that. But, like, I, I don't really care how many times that at this point – I don't care how many times he threw interceptions last year. That it, that wasn't an issue, and going forward, I don't I don't know how much that matters going into this next year. I actually I actually think if you're taking the right kind of risks, you might want him to take more risks because it wasn't that he was he was trying to fit balls into double coverage over the middle and throwing interceptions when he threw them. It was. Poor decisions or like risky, low, uh, uh, high risk, no reward type throws that that were concerning early in the year. It wasn't like the Deshaun Watson interceptions where you're trying to throw into a tight window or something like that. Um, not not that I not that I can recall. But one of the things they talked about is his pocket awareness. He took eight of the twenty nine sacks were on him, not on the offensive line or protection or anything like that. And then Dabo Sweeney, multiple times, there were two different times in a press conference yesterday, he mentioned tackles for loss along with sacks. Now, statistically speaking, 
That tells me that Dabo Sweeney is not just worried about Cade Klubnick's development as a passer. He is also worried about Cade Klubnick taking tackles for loss in the run game. In other words, the decision on whether to give or keep is a tackle for loss. A fumble on a bad exchange or a fumble where you're not on the same page with the running back is a, is a, a tackle for loss. Whether you lose it or you don't, it still counts as a tackle for loss. Uh, a, um, a, a play where you have the ball and you're running around and you're trying to do too much rather than just getting a couple yards at the middle, you try to run outside and you lose a couple. Tackle for loss. The fact that he kept tackles for loss in there sort of brought to my attention. I was expecting him to talk more about the, the interceptions and the decision-making and trying to take a few more shots and this and that and the other thing. And he ended up spending some time talking about tackles for loss. Ben, I think for Clemson's offense to go back to what it was, I believe it was Larry Williams that wrote a piece uh, a couple weeks ago about how Cade Klumnik was a significant, a significantly less of a factor in the run game than DJ Uyunglele was. And this time last year, we assumed that he would be a, uh, a marked upgrade in that regard. He has to be better and more impactful in the run game, and maybe some of the passing game stuff will take care of it if he's able to make the right reads and get into the right calls and use the blocking correctly, that can draw the attention of defenders to create more one-on-ones down the field. Texture says, I don't think I've seen so many intentional groundings in one season. Um, he says, if, if K gets less than two intentional groundings this year, I consider that a huge advancement. See, that, that just speaks to the decision-making and, and situational awareness. I don't know. I don't know if you necessarily can teach that, but that is one of the areas where many people assume he's going to be better at this year. I think that's a fair assumption because being a year older. But I don't know that we ever really truly know or feel comfortable with that until we actually see it, right? That's right. And this is where I would point out that sometimes when we say better, we 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 hear the word good. And in this case, better might just be average, or it might still be below average, because that part of the game last year for Cade was a disaster in some games and in, on some particular plays. I do think it improved during the year, but I would still say it's not a particular strength necessarily. It wasn't a particular strength uh, of his game. I, I do I, like I remember we we talked several times during games up in the in the radio booth about how his. His decision-making issues and ability to process and to see the game and to have it slow down for him, it manifests itself sometimes as much in the run game as it did in the pass game. And I think all of that has to be better. You've got year two of a system. You've got more health in the receivers. You've got Maffa who's going to be uh, the lead back, and so I think he's going to be out there a little bit more, so you're not going to have to worry about your rapport with multiple backs quite as much. You should have a, a little more stability in terms of your offensive line, at least at some point you, you, you hope to get there. And, again, you're a year older and wiser in reading defenses. All of that should help in the decision-making process, right, as long as he is willing to do things like take a sack rather than lob a ball up that might be intercepted but instead is an intentional grounding or, you know, make a throw like um, uh, the Jacob Hinderleiter from Saturday where Hinderleiter's on, like, parallel to the field and he tries to throw the ball home and it hits off the base runner's helmet like don't don't do that appreciate you trying to make a play don't do that that feels like a lot of the plays that Kate Klubnick tried to make last year and they're they're plays that Clemson can't afford for him uh can't afford for him to make now a texter says from the 864 Rattler I think had more intentional groundings than Kate and it wasn't because he wasn't good Sometimes uh, sometimes the OL needs to block. Yeah, I mean, 21 of the 29 sacks that, that Cade took, which, by the way, an intentional grounding is a sack. It goes into the book as a sack. So some of those are included in that, um, in that sack total. Uh, a, a lot of those were offensive line issues that hopefully are going to be corrected to some degree. I, I will – go ahead, Ben. Well, I, I was going to agree with you, but at the same time – I. You, you, we can't blame all of that on the offensive line either. I mean, if you watch Clemson play last year, there was play, offensively there was plenty of blame to go around, right? There, there was 
there there were certainly some wide receiver issues. There were certainly some offensive line issues. I think there was, let's just call it like it is. I, I still think there was some questionable play calling, um, even with a new coordinator. And there was also some play, some questionable quarterback play. You know, it, it wasn't just one thing, um, which is the same thing we said, you know, two years ago. I, I would say all of those areas showed improvement, but there are still issues in all of those areas. Right. Um, I think there are – I think there's lots of room for growth across the board, like you're talking about. There's lots of room for growth. And I think one of those things – I mean, I'm glad you brought up – I think one of those things is that Garrett Riley has a better understanding of who he has at quarterback and how to, to maybe call the game a little bit better and a little bit cleaner to allow him and to allow the receivers and to allow everybody to be successful. I think you're going to do that. I mean, I, I, I'm – I'm trying hard, and maybe this is wrong of me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, a little bit too Pollyanna on this. I, I think one of one of the things I'm trying to do this off season is to not base my thoughts on the 2024 offense on what we saw at the end of 2023, because I think at the end of 2023, Clemson was just trying to win. They were they had tried to establish some things they couldn't establish. They were trying to eradicate some things that they needed to eradicate. They became an offense that was way more basic than they, they originally wanted or and, and, and that they originally designed for it to be. And so because of that, I think there were issues, uh, or there are issues with taking that and saying, okay, well, that's what it's going to look like in 24. It's going to look like a better version of that. I think they just quit doing some things that they weren't able to do that now they're going to try to see if they can do again. Is that a fair is that a fair way for me to think about it, or am I being a little too optimistic that Clemson's gonna they basically abandoned ship last year, they abandoned their course, and now they're gonna try to get right back on and, and do it again in a similar way at the start of twenty twenty four that they did in the start of twenty twenty three. Buddy, that's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> and that's the hope that we all have on February twenty ninth. <laughs> but is it realistic? I mean, that's my thing. Like, I, I know that's what they want to do, but is that a realistic thing that we can think, or am I am I being too ambitious with that? I, I think it's realistic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's realistic. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I've got one other thing with uh, I've got one other thing with with Klubnik, and then we'll take our next break. Uh, Dabo used the phrase he used girth, and then he cleaned it up a little bit. And I think this is another one where like. He didn't break any tackles last year. He couldn't absorb any contact, which I think is some of the reason he fumbled. Um, Dabo used the phrase collision sustainability. I'm not sure that Dabo actually has a <laughs> phrase for it. I think he just made that up. I like um, collision sustainability. I, I, I like that better than girth because guess what? I don't think Kate Klumnick's ever going to have what I would consider girth. But, but he does have to get stronger. And Coach Sweeney talked about that, and I would say, I would say that a truck with a steel bumper has more collision stability than a truck with a plastic bumper. <laughs> so, are you saying that the off-season program should be entitled Steel Bumper Twenty Four for Klubnik? It's. Sh- I can tell you what it should not be in time. It should not be called anything with the word girth in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need uh, Jared Lorenzen, God rest his soul. We we don't we don't need Jared Lorenzen rolling out there. Uh, you just like to see a little a little more sturdiness, a little more sturdiness to Cade, and he's listed at two hundred five, which is good. I think uh, being over two hundred pounds is uh, I think that's really good. Um, all right, uh, in our final segment, I've got a couple other things to note, including what I I don't know if it's a Freudian slip or not, but I think it's interesting. We'll talk about Peter Woods. And much more we'll get to set for uh, today as well. You know, people are asking for a baseball preview. I can give you a little bit of one. We're going to talk more about baseball on tomorrow's show, but I'll give you a little bit of a baseball preview as well after this. Stay with us. Final segment of the program is next. Samuel Property Group is locally owned, proud to be part of the upstate community, and putting their money where their mouth is. If you know someone moving a loved one into assisted living and struggling to sell their outdated home, or maybe you have a friend with a property wrapped up in probate, What about a vacant, dilapidated home in your neighborhood that needs sprucing up? Make a referral that turns into a deal, and when they close, you get a $1,000 referral fee. It's that easy. SamuelPropertyGroup.com. That's SamuelPropertyGroup.com. Call the plumber whose name is his number. 
plumber fast. I always call one Tom plumber. One Tom what? Here, dial the number one, then Tom plumber. Or just tell your smartphone to call one Tom plumber. They promise to be there in an hour. Call the plumber whose name is his number. New Year, New You. You've been thinking about it, I know, because I was there too. I thought about it for years, and then I did it, and within a few weeks, dropped some big pounds, and I never looked back. Any time to start is a good time, but now is a great time to start something good and new. With the holidays in the rearview mirror at the start of 2024, there's no better time than now, and only you can do it. Reach out to our friends, Dr. Ashley Lucas and her team at PhD Weight Loss. It all starts in the kitchen, and they'll get you dropping all your excess weight and keep it off for life. MyPhDWeightLoss.com if that home improvement project has been on your honey-do list for months now with no start date in sight, it's time to call Adams & Co. Not only are they roofing specialists, they're also skilled general contractors offering interior and exterior remodeling services. Bathroom, kitchen remodels, gutters, siding, painting, flooring, cabinets, and carpentry. Call Adams & Co. today for all your home improvement needs. 864-260-0080. Adams & Co. 260-0080. First, it was Seneca, then came Clemson. Now, Joe's New York Pizza is in Central at 302 East Main Street, featuring 10-inch personal-sized pizzas and daily lunch specials. A build-your-own salad bar and half-price Wednesdays on any take-and-bake pizza. Great wine selection, and get this, $3 pints all day, every day on their own Joe's House Lager. Served in frozen pint glasses. Dine-in or take-out, Tuesday through Sunday, 11 and 9. New York-style served with a southern smile. Joe's New York Pizza, 302 East Main in Central. Sorry, but we actually have a wait list for our Monstera. Shaw's Greenhouse is really bringing in the green. We can't keep snake plants in stock. She needs a construction manager to build on her roots and grow. We could add a whole section for ferns. And here we'd have dahlias, dahlias, and more dahlias. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. 105.5 and 97.5. We are the Roar, where every day is game game day. Sing my share of broken halos, wings that used to fly. They've all gone they Our final segment of the program. Glad to have you with us. I just had food dropped off. Sir, can I can I say this? Sergio Lawrence is taking another job. Uh, this is her last broadcast she's going to do with me tonight. She is a delight. Um, I've known her for a long time. I don't know, eight or nine years. We were in a Bible study together for a long time. And uh, she's just a wonderful human being. She brought me food from, because these 6 o'clock games, the pregame meal's at 2 o'clock. And we got to be on the bus at like 4.15. So I'm going to scarf down some salad uh, before we get on the bus. And, but it's, if, I, if I go down at the end of the show at 3 o'clock, the spread's going to be taken away. So I just asked SJ if she could bring me a plate. She brought me two to-go boxes and a couple of drinks. And so I just want to say that. Sarah Jo's just a superhuman being, and we wish her well. She goes up to Austin P to her new job. And, um, and I'm going to enjoy the last game that I broadcast with her tonight. So there we go. Um, 654-ROAR is the number if you'd like to join us. 654-7627 on the phones and on the Adams and Roofing text line. I love a couple of these uh, submissions that came in via text. Text from the 864 says uh, that Klubnik's offseason training program should be called Girth Brooks 24. <laughs> that, that's the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, that, that's good. That's as good as it gets right there. Uh, I, I like it. I'll, I'll take it. Girth Brooks. Um, let's go to the phones. Jason joins us next. 654-ROAR if you want to join him. What's up, Jason? Hey, guys. Thanks for checking my call. You know, yes. with, uh, what a game the Tennessee-Auburn game was last night. It's, uh, you know, Auburn played a great game. Both teams uh, just you know just executed uh, all night long. But, of course, Don Connect was, was, was the difference. It's just, you know, comparing him to players at our program in the past, one – what I think of would be Alan Houston, but the ability to, you know, his shot to lay his uh, shooting ability from the outside in, just his explosion, he, he just thought he's off the chart. I just, 
What I don't understand is how does this how does he, was he overlooked so much? Okay, sometimes guys can be overlooked coming out of high school. That happens. They don't happen as much as it used to because uh, these guys are scouted like crazy at these basketball camps and everything. Somebody's going to notice him. But even out of junior college, he couldn't even go to a place, you know, a state like Colorado State, a respected uh, mid-major conference, whatever, their, uh, whatever conference that they're in, or Northern Colorado, Big Sky Conference. So uh, that's just, uh, I guess, to me, is uh, how was this guy overlooked so by by so many teams in, in, the, in a couple of different situations. So that's all I have, guys. Thanks for my call. Thanks very much. Appreciate the phone call, Jason. Uh, I will admit, I have thought that myself. I, I don't, I don't know uh, what happened with Dalton Connect. I don't know how he was overlooked. I mean, there, there are a couple of. Um, that there, there are a couple of interesting like uh, uh, roads you could go down here, and I don't know that either one of them is. I don't know that either one of them is right, um, but these are the, these are two things that came into my brain. Uh, Dalton Connect grew up in Thornton, Colorado. He was five eight as a sophomore, and then was six one his junior year. Um, but like he he sort of had a growth spurt along the way in high school, and so he wasn't really on radars. If you're 5'8 as a sophomore, you're not expected to be 6'6 when you're in college. Um, and his, his high school wasn't um, it wasn't a huge high school um, in terms of basketball, and he didn't play on a huge circuit or anything like that. So he, he actually started his college career in junior college. He grew two inches his first year of junior college, and then grew three inches uh, to get to 6'6 six, six, uh, between his first year and his second year. So he came into junior college as a 6'1 shooter, all right? And then he became 6'6. Six, six. So then he goes to Northern Colorado because that's, I mean, that's that was his market at the time. He, he only averaged nine points and three and a half rebounds his first year with Northern Colorado. And then he led the Big Sky with 20.2 points uh, as a senior. So it could just be happenstance that people were not going to go for an undersized guy whose best attribute was his shooting ability, um, and you know, he, so he goes to junior. I mean, it could have been an academic thing. I don't know if that was also a factor. No idea about that. That would be the other lane is is the academic piece. But it seems like it's just a guy who got lost in the shuffle, who was not a prospect and then became one because he grew ten inches or whatever it is. So good for him, and he is very good, and he is the. Maybe the best shooter in the history of uh, of Tennessee's program. Certainly in the Rick Barnes era, and a comparison to Allen Houston is definitely high praise. Um, a couple other things, Ben. Peter Woods at defensive end. I love this. I'm glad that we are actually talking about this, that this is no longer conjecture, that you're giving me Peter Woods at one end and T.J. Parker at another end with, I don't know, DeMonte Capehart and uh, Vic Burley or Peyton Page or Trey Williams or somebody like that on the other tackle. Sign me up for all of that. I, you know what? Depth-wise, it hurts you at tackle because you don't have Woods, but it helps you across the, off- uh, the defensive line. And the second team I don't feel as good about anymore. But that first-team defensive line is a problem for people. I love it. It's the only way you're going to get your best four on the field right is if he moves to to end and with the way they talk about his speed it you know sounds like he can play it yeah at 290 pounds i think he'll be able to play in and again he's going to be an issue because parker is let's see he's listed at 63255 he's going to be that strong side uh defensive end uh, like more of a pure pass rusher in and it was going to be the sturdy one and um, I think I think they're going to complement each other very very well in that role. And Woods is still going to slide inside from time to time and play some tackle, three man fronts, and and if they can, you know, if they can get Denhoff on the field or Jaheim Lawson or Kasai or Hoffler or Darian Mayo's coming later, I think those guys are going to be uh, those guys are going to be problems for people. Um, can I, I am am I right to be concerned about cornerback? Because this is what I heard yesterday. These are the corners that are out at the moment. They have they have nine corners total that are in school right now. Brandon Strozier is out. Jaden Lucas is out. 
Corian Gibson is out. That means the scholarship corners that are available at the start of spring practice are Shelton Lewis, Tavoy Fagan, Miles Oliver, and Avion Terrell. Ben, we're in danger of going into uh, a fall where it – or into, into a spring, rather – where it looks similar to like a couple years ago where they didn't have enough corners. So you're having safeties who can use cornerback experience having to drop down and play corner. That's part of the Andrew Makuba experiment. Little concern about that when I heard Dabo mention all of the unavailable names. Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, if you were playing a game this spring, I'd be really concerned, but you're not. So as long as those guys can get back, you know, I mean, obviously, you'd rather have him practicing right now, but it's not its not the end of the world either uh, as long as they're going to get back. I, I hope Jaden Lucas can get healthy because in the fall and next season, you have to have that guy. And he's, he's, he struggled staying on the field because of, of health. So, I mean, he's one in particular I would circle to keep an eye on. I'd also point out that, you know, it, it, when you start getting uh, scrimmage numbers and, and spring game numbers from the offense, maybe keep in mind that they, they're they throwing the ball against a, a depleted uh, secondary, right? Yes, uh, and that that's another thing to note. Like, the secondary looked real good when they had one scholarship receiver last spring, and – uh, it, it could be a different thing. Like she was on the other foot this time. I think that's a. I think that's a really good point because uh, I didn't even think about that. That's a good observation there. Um, at safety, this is another part of the defensive backfield. You do have a little better health at safety, and you've got guys like Khalil Barnes uh, that can drop down and uh, play a little coverage. Um, you've got Tyler Venables back in the fold. Love seeing that. Uh, you've got Griffin, and you've got Dixon, and. Um, you've got R.J. Mickens back as well. Like, there there are some guys there that can drop down. If you Colin Webb, Joe Wilkinson, the freshman who uh, has gotten rave reviews, three-star from, from Georgia, who may well be another Khalil Barnes, sort of a diamond in the rough at the back of the recruiting class at the very end. Uh, so you've got some options there of guys that could play nickel and, and could help out cornerbacks for sure. And then I – maybe it was a Freudian slip. You know, we've been waiting on Dietrich Pennington to come along. Um, and we we know that a lot of it was dedication-related. And Dabo talked about how Cade Klubnick was uh, – how, how how Klubnick was, like, his his commitment out, outweighed his talent. I don't know exactly how I put it, but his commitment was greater than his talent. Um, and for Pennington, he said the opposite, that his talent is greater than his commitment. And he said, can Matt – and then he kind of paused and said, can we – try to get him more committed. And I, I wonder if, with Pennington, there is an effort to get a different voice. If maybe they felt like, for whatever reason, just there was a wall up between he and Thomas Austin, and Austin couldn't get through, and they're really hoping that Matt Luke is the guy that can do that for Pennington. Maybe nothing, maybe a Freudian slip, I don't know. But it feels like Pennington's on a little bit of borrowed time. Because you've got three guys battling at center. Whoever loses that job, if it's not Linthicum, is probably going to start or play significantly at guard. And you've already got a bunch of guys that can play in the interior. This is like a – I mean, this is a put-up-or-shut-up spring for Pennington, I think particularly with the work ethic piece. Am I wrong about that? Well, I mean, he's been here – what's this, his fourth year now? Uh, I think this. Let is me his... check that because I, I think that's right. Yeah, he's a redshirt junior. This is your four four. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's time. If you if you got coaches publicly talking about your commitment, then it's time to get committed or or move on. Really, and and maybe a, maybe a new voice will help in that. You got to hope that it will. Yeah, that's got to be like you're talking about. That's that's got to be the hope. Anything else? I mean, I, I think we kind of flew through the uh, Dabo press conference, but I mean, it you know. There, there were those were the highlights. I thought anything that you heard that I missed or that we haven't talked about yet. Uh gosh, I'm trying to. Th- I I think we pretty much, pretty much covered it. I I, I I don't put in stock. I don't put as much stock into the whole spring game and spring practice stuff as some do. So. <laughs> you know what? I don't. I don't either. 
Um, I think there are very few things that you that you need to be able to expect to to be able to say after spring. In fact, can I? I'm going to argue that there's only one thing that I think you need to be able to say after spring, and it's something that was talked about yesterday, and we talked about Cade. I think the only thing that you need to be able to say after spring is that Cade Klubnik is better and Christopher Vizina is capable of winning games. Because if you can't say that, then you can make a very strong argument that either Trent Pierman needs to be elevated or that they need to go get somebody from the portal. Because I am convinced that the only the only thing that is going to help Cade Klubnik ultimately be the kind of quarterback that he can be is somebody to legitimately push him. Not competition in name only, but actual competition. Somebody who is raising the bar for Cade on a daily basis mentally and physically. The easiest way to do that is for Vizina to do that. I know there were a couple clips circulating around on Twitter of Vizina throwing a, a couple of nice balls in practice yesterday. That's a very good start. Ben, normally I'm a big, like, low-stakes spring guy. Like, there's nothing that you need to see in the spring that you can't see in the fall. But I think because of where Clemson is in quarterback numbers, they only have four on the roster right now listed. They could add another one, no problem. I think they need to know that there's competition with the guys that they have. Well, Chris Fazina will be much more of a player in that this year. I mean, they were never, ever, ever going to play him last year. The agreement was to redshirt him. They were never going to play him. He was he was too young, and it sounded to me like he wanted to be redshirted. He yeah. goes into this year's camp with, I mean, you know, everybody knew that last year. He goes in this year seeing there's a little maybe there's a little crack there maybe there's an opportunity to step in i mean i think just that he's going to push him more i look i i'm with you i'm with you i i i think that is the hope and that is a realistic goal that you can say that like i say i mean i think if you're if you're if you're willing to move woods to end you don't have to go to the portal for a defensive end i think if if you don't have a good solution at quarterback you may have to do that but I'm, they feel good enough about Vizina that I think it's reasonable to expect Vizina to sort of to be the guy, to elevate and be the guy, at least a backup that you can win with. Um, and I still say don't sleep on Pierman because I've heard nothing but good things about Trent Pierman as a, as a potential backup quarterback there too. Um, all right, we've got about 30 seconds left to talk baseball. Uh, we're going to talk. 